Hi, I'm Simon Matthews. And I'm Darren Morton. This is Leaders in Lifestyle Medicine. The stories behind the story. It's our great pleasure today to introduce you to our guest, Mr. Stefan Herzog. Many of you will not be familiar with Stefan by name, but you will be familiar with him uh, by action and by the things that he has done. And in particular, Stefan is the executive director of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine, and he spearheaded the development and implementation of the very first certification in lifestyle medicine for physicians and health professionals globally. It's our great pleasure to have you here today, Stefan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us, uh, tell us about the vision that got this started. Um, initially, obviously, the lifestyle medicine movement was always viewed with suspicion because, you know, how can um, eating well and sleeping well actually make a difference to people's health? And there is a lot of, obviously, or used to be a lot of voodoo around this, you know, people making stuff up and say, hey, if you buy this crystal, then... Um, you know, you're going to get healed. So there was a lot of what I call voodoo and snake oil salesmanship around lifestyle medicine. And so the American College decided a long time ago that they would have to have a certification regimen that would legitimize the movement, that would um, issue board certification for physicians and college certifications for PhD and master's level health professionals and therefore would give uh, credence to the whole movement and allow the movement to start to talk to health insurance companies and various others to get reimbursed for actually making people well again rather than just managing their illness. And so that's how this came about. So it was given birth by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. But obviously, as soon as we announced that we're going to have certification exams, everybody around the globe started to say, hey, can we join? And so we felt rather than having an American-centric uh, certification, we would create the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine and basically have that as the global peak body in order to have each country then piggyback off that and license basically the exams. So in Australia, the Australian Society of Lifestyle Medicine, Australasian Society, is licensing the exam in Britain. It's the British Society. In Brazil, it's the Brazilian College in the Philippines, the Philippine College, and so on. So we just thought that rather than doing something just for one country and be America-centric, we could do it for the globe. You know, Stefan, I, um, that's a, a bit of a window as to there's a big enterprise that you're driving, and I want, we want to hear more about that. But before we do, I'd like to actually back up just a little bit because probably there are many people at the moment listening and going, where that accent, I'm trying to pick that accent. Where, where is this man from? And, uh, and, and not only that, I, I, well, let me, I'll let you expand on that in a moment. But the other thing I'll say is that um, obviously we've been friends for a long time. And one of the, the when I, my first introductions to Stefan, I came away with all of these new insights on snake oil and, uh, <laughs> and magic crystals and voodoo. And, and he has all the, these fantastic things. So before we even start this story of this board certification process, just tell us a little bit about who is Stefan and, uh, and how did you come involved in this lifestyle medicine space in the first place? Well, so I came, became involved by sheer dumb luck or fluke or, you know, some people call it serendipity, but I was born and raised in Switzerland. And then as a young adult, I left for Australia. I, was, uh, my, I did my degrees in hotel management. And then I worked uh, in Australia, in Melbourne. I ran actually the politics uh, clothing company for eight years and then started to work for GE back in Switzerland and then back in Australia. And 
my claim to fame in Australia is that I used to run, be the CEO of Fernwood, which was a women's health club at the time and still is, which is, I think, called Fernwood Fitness these days. And through that, I became involved with a sanitarium. So I was asked to sit on the board of the sanitarium health food company and the Weepix people. And when they bought the Lifestyle Medicine Institute in Southern California, I was asked as a board member to go and see what they had purchased and how they could potentially commercialize it. And that's obviously where uh, we met Aaron and uh, the rest is history because, you know, if you get involved in this and you get excited by it, then, um, and I guess if you can actually get some results, then there is never a shortage of work. So that's how I came into this arena. I mean, I've always been interested in health, but I always did the health bit, you know, exercise like an idiot. So I could burn all the calories that I was stuffing into my face. <laughs> and I had no idea, you know, as even, even as the CEO of Fernwood, and we had hundreds of personal trainers employed, and we had our own internal um, weight loss program. I mean, it's embarrassing the rubbish we would tell people, you know, like every fad that came down their social media shoot, we would obviously jump on, on, on the bandwagon, you know, this week it's keto, the next week it's paleo, the week after it's Mediterranean, then it's whatever the heck we were on. And we sold it to our um, members as the truth because we didn't know any better. And so when I started to learn about the principles of lifestyle medicine, you know, the whole plant-based whole foods, the idea that meat, dairy, and eggs don't have any fiber and the idea that none of the plant-based foods have cholesterol. I mean, it was a huge eye-opener and I thought I felt like a total idiot because here I was running this fairly successful business, having no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, we, we, we appreciate your, uh, your self-effacing sense of humor here. <laughs> and from, uh, from where you stand now, but I'm, I'm interested to understand where, where, the, uh, where the interest and the passion for all of this came for you uh, long before you were involved in lifestyle medicine. Your background's in hotel management. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, when you look back now, what, what do you see back there that, that might have provided a spark for you? I, I think it was my parents. So I had a mother. I, I used to think I was cursed by parents who ate nuts and berries and whatever <laughs> else, while all my mates had steaks and chicken and whatever else. And I used to complain to my mother on why on God's green earth I would have to go into the garden and pick uh, um, strawberries and raspberries and whatever else, and we got salad for dinner rather than a Kentucky fried chicken. And over time, obviously, and my dad was a, um, um, he worked with juvenile delinquents, but as a young man, he was actually a gymnast. And so we always had, you know, these exercise equipment at home where you do pull-ups and whatever else. And so obviously as a, as a teenager, you started to realize that if you do regular push-ups and pull-ups, you actually start to develop some muscle. And being vain, like everybody else, I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And only later did I realize that I actually was blessed with parents who had vision and foresight long before it was fashionable. And the idea of actually eating healthy and well Kind of, you know, it, 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 the whole thing came full circle. And because I'm a, a tad of an extremist, you know, everybody has kind of a, a certain level of food addiction I learned, right? You know, on, 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 on a 
addiction susceptibility scale, I'm probably not quite an, a seven or an eight, but I'm definitely somewhere in the middle. And take chocolate, for example. I can't eat one piece of chocolate from a bar of chocolate. Either eat the freaking lot or I don't do <laughs> eat anything at all, right? <laughs> and, and, and so I realized that I could eat much more if I ate lots of fiber-containing foods and if I didn't um, eat, um, uh, you know, uh, oil, you know, the revelation that every, every gram of oil has got 10 calories, whether it's, um, you know, extra virgin olive oil or it's hydrogenated palm oil, uh, from a caloric point of view, uh, they're actually the same. And so the idea, just because extra virgin olive oil is healthy, doesn't mean you could bathe everything in extra virgin olive oil and still keep your calorie intake low. Anyway, so, so you know, you, you learn all of these things as you go along. And I just thought, well, awesome. I have to exercise less and I can still maintain my weight because I, um, yeah, I'm probably vain enough that I don't want to end up as a fat slob when I'm 70. <laughs> you know, what, what I actually love about your story is um, obviously you had this interest in health and well-being from, from an early age, perhaps imposed upon you yeah. by your by your parents um, at an early stage. But then you, you really come from this, you know, management background, financial background. And what I love is the fact that you really, who, who wasn't initially in that biomedical space, it's not like you, you know, came from a phy physician background, but you've been able to make an incredible uh, contribution and, and a incredible impact to the lifestyle medicine community. And so we'll get to the, you know, your current role in just a little while looking at the the, board, the certification process. But your first venture that you alluded to was um, with Sanitarium Health and Wellbeing Company through the Lifestyle Medicine Institute and specifically this this CHIP program. You tell us just a little bit about, yep. about that, the start of that. Well, so obviously CHIP, I, I never had heard of CHIP until I came here to Southern California and I met this gentleman called Hans Steele. And Hans Steele is a German who's been living in the US for uh, 30 years. And he built this basically by uh, sheer willpower and, and, and stamina. He built this um, complete um, health improvement program that was taking, it's, it's an intensive therapeutic lifestyle change program that would take people in the community through a lifestyle change and had tremendous uh, results. And so when we looked at that, um, obviously we realized very quickly that we would have to jazz it up to put it into the 21st century because uh, no disrespect to Hans, but Hans obviously had his 20, 30, 40 year old uh, PowerPoint slides that he was very much in love with. And he felt that that was um, the ultimate in uh, modern uh, you know, social media. And so <laughs> we, we, we um, um, worked with Hans to get all of this obviously uh, redone. Uh, you, Darren, were one of the presenters with Hans and we used uh, some professional studios and just commercialized the thing so that if you would show it in a corporate environment, you wouldn't be embarrassed by either the content, the presentation or the uh, cumbersomeness of, of, of it all. So that it was slick, it was exciting, it was what I would call edutaining. So it educate, but also it would entertain because we all know that the spoons full of sugar makes the medicine go down and if you have to change your lifestyle, you might as well um, enjoy doing it. And so CHIP was truly the entry into the whole lifestyle medicine arena in not just the US, but um, in, in Australia and elsewhere. And so, yeah, one thing led to another. And the franchising that I did with Fernwood, obviously now is perfect background to 
um, license these exams all over the globe and have income share arrangements so that every um, lifestyle medicine society all over the world could start to generate some income because how can you grow and build capability if you don't have money which greases the wheels? Uh, Stefan, you, you uh, strike me as someone who would be uh, passionate about every single thing that you do. Uh, I, I'm hearing you speak, speak <laughs> with. I'm hearing you speak with great passion about uh, about your work with Chip, about your work with IBLM. I heard you speak with great passion about uh, about uh, your your work with Fernwood. I heard you speak with great passion about eating chocolate. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it would really matter um, where, where where we put you. That that passion would shine through. What what do you what, what do you hope that passion brings to lifestyle medicine in the next 10 years well so so passion is a funny thing because obviously i i, I read good to great uh, you know the idea that you need to find something that you're passionate about something that you're good at and something that drives the economic engine and i've always been fortunate enough to choose jobs that allowed me to combine what i'm passionate about with my skill set and so um, the lifestyle medicine arena is actually uh, the perfect um, um, environment for people like me because, and, and people like you yourselves because it attracts people who want to be here. They don't have to be here. So often we hear people who say, I used to think I was the only one eating like this, thinking like this, practicing like that. Where have you been all my life, right? I finally found my tribe, so to speak. And I find that incredibly encouraging when you can work with like-minded people where it's not about hierarchy and it's not about who gets to do what. It's all about, hey, we have an opportunity to bring health and healing to the world. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a souk, but I, I like spending my time on somewhat of a noble cause, so to speak, something that is greater than yourself. And we know, obviously, from positive psychology that we all need something that is greater than ourselves to be truly engaged and to be truly enthusiastic about something. And so uh, in, in the next 10 years, I see many more people like you two, like myself, like many, many others, who through the sheer passion and excitement of what we get to do and the results that we get to observe, actually move this um, into an arena where lifestyle medicine is the first protocol for every physician Every physician who will go through medical school actually knows about the benefits of nutrition, the benefit of regular movement, the benefit of being connected to each other, the benefits of a good night's sleep and all of those things. They are no longer things that physicians need to go and learn after they've been educated as a physician. They're part of a physician's basic education. And so I see in 10 years time that we will be there. Yeah, and I love that vision. And I think that's, you know, that's really the goal here is to, to embed it and to make it mainstream and and, uh, and not an adjunct therapy, but the, the, the foundation for, for healthcare. So that it is truly healthcare and not just disease care as we currently have. So, so Stefan, you're, um, you were the driving, spearheading the development of CHIP and the, the rollout of CHIP um, for, for several years. In fact, I, I just noticed that CHIP's been um, now officially endorsed by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is a great accolade. And then into your, your current venture, which is really what we've been talking about, and I think there's great excitement and great potential surrounding that. Tell us a little bit more about how um, this certification, this board certification in lifestyle medicine went from being an American-centric thing, you know, through the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine to this international 
um, flavor. Can you tell us about a bit about that? Right. So, so, so right off the bat, obviously being um, a Swiss who um, would commute from the Australia to the US during my chip days, um, I obviously um, linked up with people like yourself and, 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 and various others. And very quickly, obviously, people were talking about, can you can we do this too? And we very quickly realized, and I hope no Americans are listening to this podcast, but you know, America is very America-centric. They truly believe <laughs> that um, there is nothing outside of their borders. And so uh, it's a very navel-gazing community. It's the only people who still don't do metrics, the only people who... Um, you know, um, struggle with anything that grows outside of their borders. And so when you started to say, hey, could we possibly not just talk about um, uh, inches and pounds? Could we also talk about grams and uh, liters and milliliters and all of those things? Um, you know, you, you got the big, why would we want to do that? And so rather than trying to convince people, um, we simply started to invite other people from other societies, other parts of the world to be part of the, what we call the item writing team, people who actually write exam questions. So people like yourself, Darren, obviously you were um, uh, participating in that. You, Simon, were participating in one of the iterations thereof. And so as you had this global team of question writers, it automatically had to become international. And then the people who wrote the educational material to prepare yourself for the exam, they realized, oh, we better internationalize this too, because why would India have to develop their own lifestyle medicine curriculum without any funds and without anybody who is evidence-based practicing this? So why can't they just piggyback off what the rest of the world is doing? And we just syndicate it everywhere. So we have one way we talk about it, we have one evidence base, we have one methodology, we have treatment modalities. That, yeah, they vary, but you know the principle of um, picking fiber again. Fiber is really, really good, particularly when it doesn't come from Metamucil, when it comes from natural <laughs> foods. But in India, it might be fiber from brown rice, while in the America, it might be fiber from potatoes or whatever. So uh, the foods we get our fiber from might vary from country to country, region to region. But the principle that fiber is good for you doesn't actually change. And so the idea that you could have a global medical specialty, and I hate the word specialty because, again, it should actually be... Um, a global basis for all physicians and all health practitioners, but for a bunch of a better word, that we have a global specialty where every country is actually teaching the same thing, using the same evidence space, and every country is cooperating with each other. That's totally unheard of in, in, in the history of medicine. And so if you get certified in Australia, it's the same certification as in India, as in the Britain, as in the US, as in Canada, as in all of Latin America. We had the first lifestyle medicine certification exams in Africa. We are running in every part of the globe. And it's the same exam, the same preparation, the same everything. And I find that incredibly exciting and groundbreaking. It is. It's absolutely phenomenal. Tell us how, how successful has this been then? Give us some numbers. I know you love telling numbers. 
Well, everything is relative. So obviously, when you compare it to other boards, like a family medicine board, obviously, we pale into insignificance. But in our first exam, we had 300 people who rocked up. And we thought that was tremendous because we budgeted in 100. And please, 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 can we please get 100 people? We had 300. The second one, we moved to 390. The third one, we had 525. For this year, obviously, helped by COVID, which forced the um, the peak body of um, medical certification to allow people actually taking this exam from home so they don't have to travel to a proctored site. That um, spiked the number. So in the US alone, we have over a 1,000 people and around the world. So the UK has got 300. I think Australia had 185 at the last count. Um, we have 50-odd people in the Philippines and so on. So we're going to get to well over 1,500 people this year alone, which is the same number that we had in 97, 98, and 99. Uh, oh, sorry, is it, what am I talking about? <laughs> 17, 18, and 19 combined. Man, I'm showing my age. So I, I, I took that uh, – I took the first – Australian exam, Stefan, which I think was in 2017. And I think that was also, am I correct in recalling that that was the second examination ever? Um, Did you take it in, I think you took it in Brisbane or did you take it in Sydney? I took it, I took it in Sydney. And I think my, my recollection is perhaps Okay, so yeah, that was the second one ever. Yes, absolutely. That was, uh, that was right at the back end in 2017, December, um, we had it in, in October in the US and then the Aussies were the very first one to say, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on board. So you had it in Sydney. So yes, you yeah. can give yourself a big gold star the, for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it remains, uh, most people probably don't know, uh, I, I've uh, also taken uh, air transport pilot's license exams uh, to become an airline pilot and they are an incredibly uh, challenging set of seven examinations, but the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine Examination um, put them to bed. Um, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that remains the most challenging examination I've done in my, uh, <laughs> done in my life. We actually did this deliberately because as I alluded to, there is a lot of people at the moment because lifestyle medicine, particularly in the hipster movement and and with global warming and animal rights and whatever else has become very popular, but there is a lot of misconceptions what lifestyle medicine is actually all about. And rather than doing a watered down um, Kumbaya exam, we wanted to have an exam that is truly, truly testing people's metal, Right. And, and, and really um, um, challenges them in terms of um, um, the questions asked and, and the breadth of the, um, uh, the subject covered. Not that we have few people who pass, but that we could show to everybody this is a fair income, real um, board certification exam. And we grade on the curve, so we could still obviously uh, lower the pass rates in order to make people still pass, but we didn't want to have a watered-down um, la-di-da exam. And so I'm glad you say that it's actually quite quite meaty. It was. And I'm just, I'm just realising now in this conversation that, Darren, you wrote some of the questions that I had to answer. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. When people ask me which Thanks questions... for nothing, buddy. Well, no, when people say to me, which questions did you write? I, I, write, I say all the easy ones, <laughs> the ones you got right. So no need to thank me. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when... Uh, 
when I can feel like I've written some questions that are going to torture someone else <laughs> in, that, in that examination. We just created a thousand question bank. We had some, uh, we got some grant funding and somebody did some fundraising to create a thousand question question bank that we would make available to all the med schools in the US, 177 of them, and all the medical schools around the world so they can start to incorporate lifestyle medicine, nutrition-based questions into their um, curriculum so that hopefully, again, we get closer to the goal of having all of those um, medical schools starting to teach and then test on lifestyle medicine principles. And obviously you, Simon, are a contributor to that question bank. Well, again, you, Darren, too. So you both have contributed to this. And the best um, 150 questions that you people wrote are actually going to be next year's exam because... Uh, we cannot guarantee that with 1,500-odd people around the globe taking this exam from home, that the exam is not going to leak into the public domain. Mm. And so uh, we know that at the end, we just simply have to retire all the questions. And then next year, we have a brand new exam with questions that nobody has ever seen, apart obviously from YouTube. And um, so it would just maintain the integrity again of the exam itself. Mm -hmm. Stefan, I want to go back to something I heard you say earlier, which was that uh, you you dislike hearing lifestyle medicine uh, being referred to as a specialty. And and we talked a little earlier again about the idea of of making a a lifestyle medicine consult really the the standard of healthcare. And we've we've had other guests, Darren, on the podcast who've who've spoken about uh, about similar things. I, I, Stefan, I want to put something to you, and I'd, I'd be be interested to hear your reflection on this. It, it seems to me that that uh, that the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine, and in fact, that the the movement of lifestyle medicine, will have been successful when it no longer exists. I actually totally agree with you. So again, one day, I I, I think there is always a place for obviously where the people want to gather, and it becomes more of a. Um, a professional medical association rather than something that you really have to go test people in. Because we use the analogy of um, we don't, lifestyle medicine do, does not want to be a new house in the street of life, of, of, of medicine, so to speak. We want to be the restumping of every home. We want to be the new foundation of every existing home, the new foundation for cardiology, the new foundation for endocrinology, and so on, so that everybody who, um, again, just knows about medicine, knows that there is communicable disease and the um, it's diagnosed and prescribed. And then there is no commu- uh, non-communicable disease, which is chronic disease. And there, the reversal is no longer with a pill or a potion, but changing the life, the underlying lifestyle, so that uh, the body can heal itself and health can be restored. And I think once we achieve that, yes, uh, then we can all go home and hopefully pat ourselves on the back that we've achieved what we set out to do. Hey, Stefan, we want to thank you for, for joining us today. I, you know, your, your passion and your enthusiasm comes across, across so clearly. And what I really love about your story is that, you know, once again, it's not necessarily someone that's come through a, as a physician or through, a, you know, biomedical route, but through, you know, with a, an, an entirely different set of skills and yet is making a tremendous contribution to the cause of lifestyle medicine. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and, um, and you know, the vision that you have for the future. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's a, an incredibly rewarding thought to, to know that, 
you know, at the end of the day, you're having a measurable and meaningful impact on the lives of, um, of many, many people, literally thousands. So thank you for your continued work and contribution. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I am disappointed that uh, Stefan didn't make reference to yodeling while he was picking berries in his yard in Switzerland. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I, I can yodel now. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, you thanks can? Thanks for having me and, uh, yeah. You can yodel? No, I can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course not. That's, that's, that's a cliche. And why would I embarrass myself in front of everybody? Well, what I can say is that I now have the, the mental image of that happening anyway. So that'll sustain me for some yeah. time. <laughs> and if you, uh, for those of you listening, uh, if you're interested in finding out more about the uh, International Board of Lifestyle Medicine examination, uh, hop over to iblm.co and uh, you'll uh, you'll find some links there, and uh, also uh, you'll see uh, in the show notes some uh, some details for Stefan, and you can find out more information that way as well. You've been listening to Leaders in Lifestyle Medicine: The Stories Behind the Stories. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to you joining us for the next episode. This episode was produced by me, Simon Matthews, Darren Morton, and engineered by Connor Bowers. Audio production by Podstream. The podcast is supported by the Lifestyle Medicine and Health Research Centre at Avondale University College. Avondale researchers, here for good.